Hey guys, Warren Sharp here, and we are off to a ridiculously hot start in NFL betting recommendations over at SharpFootballAnalysis.com. 16 and 6 to start the season. That's 73%. Computer tolls, which started last week, we won four out of those five. And now here we go into week four, and I've already got five computer totals out there. But before you just run to the website and try to buy the package, I want you to hold up and listen to this announcement. Thursday night football. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals wearing their all-white jerseys going up against Miami Dolphins and Tua. Two high-flying offenses, a point total that's projected to hit 47 points. We are doing a points promo on Thursday Night Football. That means that on Friday, you can go to the website, and however many total points that these two teams actually combine to score on Thursday night, that's the percentage you get off Everything at sharpfootballanalysis.com on Friday. It will only last for one day. So let me repeat. If this score ends 30 to 27, 57 points are scored, you get 57% off the website on Friday. This is a deal you do not want to miss. You want to root for a lot of points to be scored on Thursday night because that's the percentage off that you are going to get over at Sharp Football Analysis on Friday. This will last one day only. Mark it down. Be ready to come to the website on Friday and get however many percent off. Could be 75%. Could be 35%. Either way, you're going to save a ton and we are off to a super hot start. So pay attention on Friday to sharpfootballanalysis.com. Welcome to the Sharp Waiver Wire and Injury Show for Sharp Football Analysis. I am your host, Todd Burrows. You can find me on Twitter at BestBallNFL. Joining me to sum up week three and to help prepare you for week four are Curtis Hirsch at Curtis Harsh, H-A-R-S-C-H, our waiver expert, and Tucker Bagley at T Bagley Sports who handles injuries for Sharp Football Analysis. Gentlemen, let's get to the takeaways from week three. We'll start with Curtis this week. Yeah, another interesting week of football we had. I think my big takeaway is the importance of offensive lines on these offenses. I know scoring is down a ton, and you see teams like Philly and Detroit being able to run and pass with success, and teams like Indianapolis and Tampa Bay unable to pass or run and mostly due to the offensive line constricting their abilities to do both. So that's my early takeaway. I previewed in the sharp football book that the Buccaneers were due for a little bit of offensive line regression in terms of injuries, but this has been pretty incredible how much they've missed their offensive starters. Yeah. And then you also, besides the injuries and the and, and the one guy left um, in the offseason, um, and I think one guy retired, the guy from the small school. I can't remember his name. But you also lose Rod, Rob Gronkowski as a blocker. And, and he is um, historically maybe the best blocking tight end, um, certainly of this generation. Tucker, what's your big takeaway of the week? Uh, my big takeaway was just how impressed I was with the Jacksonville Jaguars and their win over the Chargers. We know the Chargers were banged up. We'll certainly get to that at some point. But, I mean, Jacksonville is a team that with new head coach Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence looks like the guy we saw at Clemson, not the guy we saw as a rookie a year ago. And right now, if you, you kind of look at the betting odds, they're plus between 220 and 230 to win the AFC South. I really like them at that number because – 
I don't see anybody else really impressing in that division so far. For me, the big takeaway is people still want to draw too many conclusions from a small sample size. Um, I saw someone tweet out about Javante Williams. And after three weeks last year, um, they pointed out how Mr. Taylor had really not done much. So it can happen very quickly for talented people. If you're in leagues that allow trades, uh, you know, you got to be really careful giving up on talented players. I'll throw out Kyle Pitts's name. Uh, if I was an owner in trade leagues right now, I'd be making offers for Kyle Pitts um, and guys like that who have gotten off to a slow start. So those are our big takeaways of the week. And we are going to move into the meat of our show. Let's go position by position. And first, let's hear for Tucker on injuries at the quarterback position. Yeah, quarterback's certainly a, a big one this week with Tua Tagovailoa. He has uh, a game on Thursday this week. They're, they're playing on Thursday Night Football. And it'll be interesting because the NFL is investigating whether or not they follow concussion protocol. And then Miami came back and said, no, it's not a head injury. He has a back and an ankle injury, which for a quarterback is just as worrisome. So certainly uh, worth keeping an eye on him, especially with that short week coming up. And then Mac Jones as well. Mac Jones is probably going to be out four to six weeks with his high ankle sprain. Might require surgery on that high ankle sprain, depending on how they feel. They can get him back on the field as quickly as possible. And for the Jets, the, the impending return of Zach Wilson is coming this week. I don't, I don't know if anybody necessarily has Joe Flacco or, or Jets quarterbacks in their, their offense for fantasy, but Zach Wilson coming back could could disrupt a lot of things. Tyler Conklin's been a, a, a huge participant in that offense the last three weeks. Zach Wilson coming back this week might disrupt that to a point where he won't necessarily be playable. Curtis, let's talk about who you want to pick up at the quarterback position. Um, first on your list is a guy that uh, we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. Do you still think he's out there in many leagues? He, he's not out there in a lot of leagues, but he is available in a few, and that's Marcus Mariota. And as much grief as Art Smith has taken regarding the use of Kyle Pitts, this offense is quietly a top 10 offense in terms of EPA and success rate. And a lot of that is to do with Marcus Mariota being able to hide some of the deficiencies in the O-line. So if he is out there, go go get him. He does have the Bucks and the 49ers on deck after this week, which is a little bit more difficult of defenses to go against. And I am a matchup guy when it comes to fringe top 12 guys. So not really rushing to start him in those matches, but go get him, pick him up, throw him on the bench because – the waiver wire in terms of quarterbacks seems to be a lot thinner this year. I don't know if you're noticing that at all, but it seems to be more people are carrying two quarterbacks. And then the other guy that I want to mention is Jacoby Brissett. Currently he's QB 17 and the Kevin Stefanski didn't really open up the offense in the first couple of weeks and looked like last week, even in a windy game that he was starting to gain more trust in Brissett. Brissett's got a good old line. He's got weapons in Cooper and Najoku. And I think he's got enough mobility to get you a bit of a safe floor. So I like Brissett as well. And he's currently ranked top 10 in CPOE and EPA composite, which he's actually doing quite well as their starter and should be able to keep them going until Deshaun gets back. 
I haven't noticed, but I haven't needed a quarterback since week one when Dak went down. Um, that might have to continue if um, if Russ doesn't start playing better because I have a lot of Russ. But, um, you know, I picked up Mariota in a lot of leagues as uh, a second quarterback. I felt, as I've mentioned before, that he has that, you know, very cheap Konami code upside. And I like the Brissett call because he certainly looked really good last week. He did. And it really surprised me because he's a guy we've seen a number of times. But it goes back to your earlier point about offensive line. When you have an offensive line that's opening big holes and you've got two good running backs like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, uh, that play action pass becomes much more effective. And Amari Cooper looked amazing. And what's weird about Amari is I was drafting the daylights out of him in the fourth and fifth round. And then as he slipped, I I really took my uh, foot off the pedal on Amari a little bit. Um, That's kind of it. Um, Tucker, any quarterbacks that you like that might be out on waivers? I I know in a couple of my leagues, Trevor Lawrence is out there and the way Jacksonville has been moving the ball. uh, That that is something that that I would keep an eye on. But, you know, Curtis mentioned it is tough and and it's – thin out there right now and I think part of the reason is a lot of the older quarterbacks that we've grown accustomed to to playing so well and you can just kind of set it and forget it guys like Russell Wilson even Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady their production isn't what it normally is maybe they're slipping due to old age but as a result I think we see a lot more guys carrying multiple quarterbacks because the sure things that we've known for so many years aren't necessarily what they used to be that's a great let's talk Let's move to running back where Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift are definitely look like they could be in trouble for this week. But we're going to let Tucker tell us for sure. David Montgomery also was injured. And let's talk a little bit about Trent Williams because the Niners love to run the ball. Jeff Wilson has been looking okay. And, um, you know, whenever you lose the guy that's considered the best offensive tackle in football, it could be an issue going forward. Your thoughts on the running back position, Tucker? Yeah, the one thing I would say is uh, I think David Montgomery is probably going to play this week. Dalvin Cook is expected to play, at least according to the Minnesota Vikings. He dealt with a shoulder injury last year and by the end was playing with a harness to, to kind of help him get through it. So this is something he's dealt with in the past. And I think if he's capable of managing the pain, he'll go out there and play with that harness again. Joe Mixon is going to play on Thursday. He left Sunday early, but they've already said as of yesterday, he's going to suit up for Thursday night against Miami. So there are a lot of positive things to take out of running back, but you you mentioned DeAndre Swift is the situation that I think is really odd. His snaps have gone down considerably the last two weeks. A lot of people didn't notice it week two because he had 58 rushing yards and uh, 30 receiving yards and a touchdown. So his production didn't take a hit, but he only played about 30% of the snaps again in week three. And Dan Campbell came out yesterday and flat out said, they're thinking about benching him for the next two weeks and, and you know, keeping him on the sideline until after their bye week in week seven. So if you have Deandre Swift, that's a tough one because Jamal Williams is one of the top handcuffs in the NFL. And a lot of people already had him already running with him in their starting lineup. So it's not as simple as just finding his backup and, and plugging him into his lineup. If you have DeAndre Swift, you might need to get creative the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and we'll get into that in a second with Curtis. 
um, to, you know, le- uh, it was obvious that Swift was hurt going into week two. So I wasn't surprised to see his workload go down. Um, but it, it is, it does seem like he tweaked it again in week three um, and that it's worse than it was. Uh, Jamal Williams is, was a priority guy for me in best ball, especially on the FFPC. I had 30% of him, which is a lot for me in the later best ball. It's one of those situations that I like to talk about where I don't care about players as much as ADP. And the year before, Swift was going at the end of the third round, beginning of the fourth. Jamal Williams was in the 11th, 12th round. So I was heavy on Swift. This year, Swift was going right around the one-two turn, maybe a little later. uh, And Jamal Williams was pretty free. I mean, 16th, 17th, 18th round. And the roles hadn't changed. So uh, for me, that was a buying opportunity on Jamal. And I, you know, one of the few things I seem to have gotten right so far this year, Curtis, um, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of great options at running back. Uh, who's the top of your list? Yeah, you're, you're right in the fact that Jamal was criminally undervalued early on. And you said the rules hadn't changed. They kind of did. Jamal seems to be the goal line back even more so than last year. So He's got, he had more value without an injury to Swift than he did last year. And now that Swift is out, his value goes up even more. Is he going to touch 80, 90% of the touches? No, but he's probably going to remain the goal line back and get a little more early down work and some passing work. So he's, he's in a smash spot. So if you have him in best ball, these next few weeks are going to be great for you. But like I said, he's not going to touch 80% last year when Swift was out uh, Williams handled about 67% of the work. So that opens a door for Craig Reynolds, who is kind of just the guy, but did catch some passes. The Lions do play the Seahawks this week, who give up a ton of running back passes. But Justin Jackson is also on that roster, and we saw him last year when Austin Eckler missed some time. So that's the one concern with Craig Reynolds, is Reynolds is kind of just the guy, as is Jackson, but Jackson did fill in quite nicely last year, so... Gives me a little bit of concern, but out of all the running backs, yeah, Craig Reynolds is probably the top in deep leagues to be bidding on. Then you have Treston Ebner in Chicago, who is a great pass catching back, but plays with Justin Fields. And Khalil Herbert is just a monster out there. So I think he's going to take quite a bit of the workload. But Treston Ebner is also a guy to put on the radar and maybe stash away because he is such a dynamic pass catcher. If anything ever happens in Chicago there where they open it up a little bit more, he does carry some value as well. And then there's a couple of names I want to talk to Tucker about in our next segment. All right. So um, at running back, I'd be careful with Craig Reynolds. If you watched Hard Knocks, it seemed like Dan Campbell didn't want to keep him on the team and that he he, he wanted uh, that other guy. I can't remember his name but that all the coaches love Craig Reynolds. So he kind of, you know, third string running back, he, he didn't push the issue, but he did talk about how he thought he was a limited athlete. If you watch the show. Yeah. He, he's just a dude. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned he's just a dude, uh, but he, he does seem to hit the hole hard, but I wouldn't put up much money with Swift. I, I, I mean, I don't even know yeah. how much I'd be interested in him. Um, with Swift only set to miss a couple weeks and Jamal Williams there, 
Um, I, he, he's not a priority for me. I do want to ask you about Khalil Herbert because there is a chance in a league like the FFPC that people dropped him after one or two weeks. You know, David Montgomery really seemed to have a very big workload in week two. If you're lucky enough to see Khalil Herbert on the on the waiver wire in a in an FFPC, how much fab would you be willing to pay for Khalil Herbert? Yeah, other than the Chicago offense being absolutely dreadful, I, I would be I'd be all in on Khalil Herbert. The kid is such a stud. We've seen him run and just with explosive runs and the efficiency he runs with is it's incredible. And this team doesn't trust Justin Fields running or throwing the ball. So he's going to get the volume and he's really good. Uh, the touchdowns could be a week to week thing, but he's so explosive that the volume will get you there with some spike weeks with touchdowns. If, if I, if he's available in those leagues, I'm, I'm betting almost as much as I got. All right. That's, that, that is a fair thing. You also mentioned justice Hill. Yeah, I did. And I uh, wanted to ask Tucker if he's heard anything about Gus Edwards later on in the, show justice hill uh took over for mike davis and Kenyon drake and he's getting some limited work because dobbins just isn't 100 percent yet he's back on the field but i'm sure they're going to look big picture and just keep him minimally involved in these few weeks so justice hill plays in a good offense has the has some upside there all right let's move over to the wide receiver position um, Keenan Allen missed last week with the hamstring. I'd like to get an update on him. Michael Thomas and uh, Landry of the Saints, if you have an update. And then um, Sterling Shepard and Josh Reynolds got hurt. Uh, Tucker, what is the latest? Yeah, the, the Saints guys I, I do think are going to play this week. Michael Thomas, they're very optimistic about. Jarvis Landry, maybe not. But you also look at the way the target share has worked out this year. He, he's kind of fourth in that office right now behind Thomas behind Chris Olave and behind Traquan Smith is dealing with an injury issue of his own. So even if Jarvis Landry is healthy, I would still, you know, walk with a little trepidation if I'm putting him in my starting lineup. But the, the big news of the week was last night when Sterling Shepard went down strictly because I don't know who the giants have to throw the ball to right now. You you look at their offense and mm-hmm. Kadarius, Tony is a guy they spent a first round pick on. He's hurt. I don't even think he's going to play next week either. Um, Kenny Galladay, they gave a, a huge contract to heading into last year. He had three targets but was shut out last night against Dallas. I mean, that offense right now, they have David Sills, who's more well-known for his work as a junior high quarterback than he is an NFL wide receiver. And, and Richie James, who I think most people probably have never even heard of. So that offense right now in New York it, without Sterling Shepard has been carrying the load for them the first three weeks. I don't know who they're going to throw the ball to, you know, this week or even next week, as long as Tony is out. Yeah. I, I like Sills work with Crosby and Nash. Um, but, um, you know, he, he's another one of those guys that you think might be a decent guy in the slot, but I noticed they had him out wide um, where he's not going to be as effective and you're right. Uh, it just seems like every year the Giants wide receivers are the uh, uh, football equivalent of spinal tap drummers. Uh, you know, they just die in all sorts of very interesting and unique ways. I saw a rumor on Twitter 
that uh, the Packers might be interested in Tony and Galladay. Uh, I don't see anything where you can move Galladay. The the giant, you know, I mean, with that salary, he'd have to redo his contract and um, give the Giants something for him. Um, so I, I don't see that, but I could see Kadarius Tony moving. Brian Dable, Joe Schoen, you know, they just have to go home and stick pins literally every night in their Dave Gettleman uh, doll uh, because they have just inherited such a mess. Uh, but I think they've also done themselves no favors. Evan Neal was, you know, who, who was a very early pick, um, really looked pretty bad the other day. Um, and, you know, you, you spend a fifth, sixth round, uh, fifth, sixth pick in the draft on a tackle. You just don't expect him to, you know, give up three, four sacks a game. Um, anyway, that's the giant fan in me talking. Uh, but have you guys heard anything about Tony being traded? I, I don't know if anyone saw the Kadarius Tony tweet from this week. He's that guy has some skeletons, that's for sure. And I don't think he's only off the field for injury reasons. I think there's some issues off the field there as well. But speaking to, I think the Giants are looking long-term there. So they'll take the early struggles of a top six offensive tackle versus maybe a wide receiver they could have went with there. So I think Schoen and Dave all are there for the long haul. And this is going to be a multiple year rebuild as we, they just don't have the talent to make, turn this thing around really quickly. Yeah. I kind of like Dave so far, but um, that draft, uh, you know, I was not a huge fan of that draft and that's, you know, maybe next year they'll get scouts, but I don't want to go too far down Correct. the giant rabbit hole. Get it a giant rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of wide receivers to target, Richie James, I guess, is the guy. Maybe, sort of. It's it's hard to tell because if uh, he's I, even available, because yeah. he's been a popular DFS play for two weeks, and you know, I think the the way to play it is uh, play Barkley some more in DFS. Just, that might just, be the yeah. only uh, way to Sa play that. Saquon, Saquon, and more Saquon. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the guys, uh, you know, that you do like at the wide receiver position. It seems pretty tough. Yeah, another tricky week. You're going to have to watch the injury reports and maybe a guy pops up unexpectedly and which gives rise for a situation. And that's kind of what I did last week. I had to pick up Mac Hollins a bunch on Sunday morning waiver and throw him in just because. Uh, the Titans were getting back their number one corner who could do deal with Adams a little bit. And that would free up Matt Collins who had a great day. So just be aware of those situations. A guy I kind of have my eyes on is Josh Reynolds of the Lions. He can move to the slot if need be, if Amon Ra is out for any sort of time. I didn't really see too much on that today that it's not as bad as it could have been, but that doesn't really say anything. Reynolds had 10 targets and had a few games last year with seven and eight targets. So he's a guy that can fill the void for a week or two there and basically unowned. Uh, Andy Isabella out in Cardinal land, that, that offense just looks so dreadful to start the year. So he would also be behind Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, Greg Dortch. It's hard to see them getting that on track really quickly. So 
he's he's a big play threat and can score a long touchdown, but the volume might not be there for him. So just keep an eye on the injury report and some sort of player might pop up that you can chuck in the flex. Yeah, uh, I would say that if he's available, Noah Brown would be the the the, the obvious um, oh, guy sure. to look for. Um, he looks better than C.D. Lamb the other night. Oh, he looks um, like C.D. Lamb, but he's better. And, and so if he's still out there, um, you know, he was a guy I added in some best balls, uh, but probably not enough. Um, it'll be interesting to see how his role and the whole offense changed changes with Dak uh, saying that he might make it back next week. And um, I doubt that. I think it'll be the following week. Uh, but And also Michael Gallup being about ready, that whole team could get an upgrade and it could make it uh, a lot better for everyone. All right, let's move to tight end where we're looking at not any new injuries. Is that correct, Tucker? Yeah, there wasn't anything uh, going on this week. Uh, George Kittle made his return. Dalton Schultz was inactive, which was, I guess, kind of surprising based on how optimistic the Cowboys front office was last week heading into the game that, that he was going to play. And once again, already today, less than you know, 24 hours after last night, Stephen Jones is already telling everybody that he's going to play next week. So I, I would still walk with a little bit of caution regarding Dalton Schultz just because this is something we've been told before and we're, we're certainly lied about. But um, Peyton Hendershot ended up playing last night at a tight end, and he had three catches for 43 yards. So they, they certainly didn't shy away from getting the tight end involved, even without Dalton Schultz on the field. So at tight end, who are you looking at this week, Curtis? Yeah, like you had said, there's not a lot of options out there. The answer was always, I guess, Mark Andrews this year and just paying up for tight end. But Daniel Bellinger of the Giants ran a route on almost 60% of snaps, then dropbacks last night. They don't really have any receivers to throw to, so maybe he gets a little bit of a volume uh, spike, but... Yet again, not not very good out there in the tight end streets on the waiver wire. Just if there's a guy available in your league and you only have one solid tight end, go bid on him aggressively because it doesn't look like there's going to be much out there this year on the tight end waivers. All right, and let's just go right back to you, Curtis, and discuss defense and kicker pickups. Yeah, this week, uh, just like last week, I said I was going to be aggressive with the Cowboys, knowing they were going to have a huge advantage against the Giants' offensive line, and they absolutely smashed this week. So well, that's kind of where I'm spending my fab, is just ensuring I get a few extra points here and there, and that worked out quite well. If the Green Bay Packers are available, they're playing against Brian Hoyer, and the Patriots right now are having an implied total of 14 points. So there could be turnovers. They're gonna. That's going to be a low-scoring game, so they'll get some points for the bonus of holding their opponent under a certain total. If they're available, go get them. And then New York Giants, you've got Blitz Happy, Wink Martindale versus Justin Fields. That's just a recipe for some fantasy points. And in that game, there could be some sacks, some interceptions, some touchdowns returned. You never know. So the Packers and the Giants are where I'm going this week and then in terms of kickers i'm going with the rookie kicker Cade york out of cleveland the browns are one of two teams with an implied total over 25 that play in a dome this week and the other team is the chargers and welcome to 2022 i'm taking the browns offense over the chargers offense because this year is just messed up 
Yeah, uh, we didn't talk about uh, Justin Herbert's injury, Tucker. Uh, he certainly didn't look himself, and everyone seems to love that head coach, and he looked kind of like a fake sharp last week, keeping Herbert in the game, you know, down four touchdowns. That made absolutely no sense. Um, that rib injury, Tucker, when do you think we might see Justin Herbert start playing better? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one because it's an injury that is really just a, a lot of pain tolerance. And, and go back to the night that he injured it, right? He he went, I think, on a second down, ended up just spiking the ball because he couldn't throw it. And I thought, my goodness, why is he even out there? And then the next play, he uncorks a 40-yard seed down the middle of the field to, to set up a touchdown. So usually from, from what I've seen and what I've read, this is an injury that, that's about a four-week injury to, to fully heal. Now, if he's getting sacked, if he's getting hit, obviously that that hinders that that recovery, and it could be a little longer. But this is an injury that I think not only is going to be a week to week thing; it, it could be a play to play thing. And we obviously saw this week he he didn't look like himself. He really struggled against the Jacksonville defense, and I think moving forward, I, I wouldn't necessarily move him to the bench or, or cut him or anything, but I would be cautious with with Justin Herbert because. I don't know if he's going to look like the guy that people were projecting to be an MVP candidate this year. Although you, you did mention Brandon Staley made no bones about it. He's going to stay into the game as late as it takes. He, he's not going to pull him for Chase Daniel unless it's absolutely necessary. Chase Daniel is absolutely my hero because not only has he made a ton of money as a backup quarterback, he it has managed – to be very lucky that he's never had to play much, right? I still think about um, Clipboard Jesus, uh, Whitehurst, and how he probably would still be in the league if he wasn't called on to play. Um, you know, a lot of these backups, you know, can just stay and get these huge checks. But once they have to play three or four games, they can show what they are, which is that they're terrible, and that's the end of their career. So, uh, Chase Daniel, I uh, I admire you. I mean, that is a dude who has hung around a long time and almost never had to play. Let's move to our segment of picking guys up that are injured early before they, um, you know, if it, because once you hear they're coming back, the price is going to go up. Um, I'm going to throw out one name this week, and um, it is Brian Robinson. He hasn't played. He was shot. If he's been dropped, that's a guy I'm looking at. If you dropped Dak Prescott, that's a guy I'm looking at. Tucker, is there anyone you're looking at coming back from injuries? Yeah, we talked about the Giants for a little bit and mentioned Kadarius Tony. The other guy I would consider is Wondell Robinson. Um, he, he's another wide receiver, which, like I said, I mean, it's just a matter of attrition. They have nobody on that offense right now that, that you know, they would feel comfortable throwing the ball to. Robinson was a second-round pick this year. He only had one catch and only played nine snaps in week one before going down. But he's someone that they obviously think highly of, the current coaching staff and front office obviously have invested in him picking him in the second round this year. So he's someone, if you're desperate at wide receiver, take a flyer on him. He's going to miss this week, probably be back the, the following week. But he's someone that I, I think could just have a big role because without Sterling Shepard, they have no one 
to throw the ball to right now. Yeah, and Slayton was a guy they were high on the old coaching staff. He had a couple long touchdowns, and then, I mean, he, he can't even get on the field with this Drek. Um, it really is kind of wild. All right, let's finish up with our must-add, must-drop segment. Curtis, you're up first this week. Yeah, I don't really have a must-add, but I'll go with Craig Reynolds in Detroit based on the fact he might sneak in a couple pass catches this week and spike a touchdown if he's lucky. But the must-drop, just anyone on the Chicago Bears, like, what are we doing here? They're 2-1, and one and they have absolutely destroyed any fantasy value of anybody, whether it's Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, uh, David Montgomery was never really that good anyway. But anyone on the Bears, just drop them. All right. I'm going to throw out Brian Robinson as my much stad because he has a lot of upside. Once we hear he's coming back, if he's out on a waiver wire, it could be expensive. He's my must add. If he's not there, I'll throw Dak Prescott into the mix. Um, you know, I know Dak didn't look good, but it was one game. Um, he might, he would be someone I would look at. My must drop, I didn't have anyone because, as I mentioned, I don't like getting crazy with who I drop, but the Chargers defense has not been scoring points. Now you lose Joey Bosa. That's who I'm out on, Tucker. Yeah, I, I would add LaVisca Chenault. He made his debut in, in week three, had two catches for 90 yards, including a 67-yard touchdown. That was enough to make him the Panthers' second-leading receiver on the season, that that passing offense. It's just an absolute wreck right now. So having a guy like him who can just make people miss off-screen passes and, and short yardage, he could just end up being featured because Baker Mayfield ha- has no shot uh, of throwing the ball down the field. And then... I was kind of in the same line as you guys. I would just drop Justin Fields. He's someone a lot of people were high on, thought he had a high floor because of his running ability. But right now, he just looks so lost at quarterback. I just don't see how he's playable in any format. That is going to do it, guys, for the week three wrap-up and waiver and injury show. We will see you next week. Thank you so much.